Hi, listeners. Welcome to the Grief Out Loud podcast produced by the Dougie Center for Grieving Children. I'm Jana DeCristofaro and wanted to give you just a little heads up as you listen to this episode, you'll be hearing references to our old name, which was Dear Dougie. So just so you don't get too confused, you're listening to the right podcast and we look forward to bringing you even more great content under the Grief Out Loud name. Thanks for joining us. Hello, and welcome to the Dear Dougie podcast, produced by the Dougie Center for Grieving Children. I'm Jana DeCristofaro, and thank you for tuning in today. This podcast is meant to open up the often avoided conversation about grief. While we'll all experience loss during our lives, when it occurs, most of us don't know how to feel, what to do, or even how to talk about it. So whether you're grieving a loss or wanting to support someone who is, We hope these podcast conversations will lead to a better understanding of grief and ideas and inspiration for how to show up for yourself and those that you care about. It's easy for grief to get stereotyped. The grieving person, no matter how old they are, can often be portrayed as sad, withdrawn, and mostly quiet. But for anyone who has actually gone through grief, it becomes quickly apparent how limited that portrayal can be. Grief more often brings a mixed up wave of emotions, including anger, confusion, rage, fear, numbness, and sometimes even relief. Most of the time, these feelings are big and pretty messy. But as adults, we, for a variety of reasons, usually work really hard to keep those big feelings under wraps. We only let them out when no one is around or maybe at strangers in traffic. With kids though, they haven't been exposed to as many years of training around tamping down their feelings and their reactions. For them, those reactions can look like really big behaviors. Behaviors that can be loud, unruly, and sometimes even a little scary to the adults around them. Joining me today to talk about these big feelings and behaviors and how we can support children experiencing them in grief is my colleague, Heather Dorfman. Welcome, Heather. Thank you. Hi. Heather and I will get into what these behaviors can look like and how they are often inspired by equally big feelings and what to do if you're an adult wanting to help. Heather, to start, can you give us an idea of what big behaviors might look like for grieving kids? Yeah, so a lot of families that come to the Dougie Center will talk to us about things that they're seeing in their kids and their teens. And oftentimes that's what prompts them to reach out to us, or they might have had a helping professional suggest that maybe their kids could use some extra support. Um, So what families will tell us, and even sometimes kids and teens themselves will say, is that they might be having a tough time uh, sitting in the classroom, for example. So maybe their body needs to move more than it used to. Um, Maybe they get up and out of their seat a lot or running around the classroom. Maybe they're getting in arguments more either at home or at school. You might see things like big meltdowns and tantrums um, and even behaviors that might look like the the things that the kids did when they were younger. So if you've got an eight-year-old who, you know, is pretty much past that tantrum stage, suddenly you're seeing those again. You make them a peanut butter and jelly sandwich for lunch, which has been great every day, and suddenly that's the worst thing in the world. So, and that can happen with teens as well. You know, everything's kind of what you expect with your teen, and then suddenly you just don't even know where you stand with them. Doors might be slammed more often. Arguments might happen with adults or with siblings or friends. Simple questions like, how was your day? Yes. Can prompt some pretty intense reactions. Exactly, yeah. So big behaviors can look like needing to move more, getting in arguments, having a tough time focusing on classwork or things that need to happen at home. 
outright refusal to do things at home. Like I'm not putting those dishes Mm -hmm. away. Mm -hmm. Yeah. All of those sorts of things that all of a sudden can pop up and feel like, oh my gosh, what's happening with my kid now? And usually this is happening in the context of the adult in their life who's probably also dealing with some grief. And so their patience and wherewithal to deal with maybe behaviors that were maybe in the past, you're like, oh, my kid doesn't want to put the dishes away. That's all right. Mm -hmm. I can take a couple deep breaths and, you know, Mm -hmm. give them a small consequence or redirect them in some way. But as an adult, maybe you're feeling pretty limited and being Mm -hmm. able to access that type of reaction. Yeah. And we'll talk more about, you know, what, how do you, especially if you are an adult supporting a grieving child or teen and are yourself grieving, how do you take care of yourself so that you can stay present and supportive for that grieving child or teen? Even if you yourself aren't grieving and you want to be supportive of a grieving child or teen, there's a lot of strategies that you can think about to be able to do that for them. And a lot of families will call, I know, and say, you know, I don't know if my kid is grieving or if Mm -hmm. they're just having anger problems. And, you know, even in the title of our episode of is it grief or is it anger and does it even matter? Mm -hmm. Can you talk a little bit about maybe identifying or distinguishing the, the big feelings that might be prompting these big behaviors? It seems sort of intuitive or just easy to go right to that if this child is getting in arguments with folks or getting in fights or really pushing back about uh, when they're asked to do something at home or in school. As adults, we might jump right to, this kid is really angry. We don't always know what feelings are underlying those behaviors, especially if our kids and teens are not in a place that they feel comfortable or able to really articulate what they're feeling. It could be that they're feeling really sad or scared or confused or guilty. Uh, They may even have some sense of relief and not be sure how to deal with that. And that can drive these behaviors. And it can be helpful to kind of step back from assuming we know what the feeling is underneath the behavior. Because for a lot of adults, if they assume a child is angry, they might approach it in a different way than they might if they're thinking this child is sad or confused. Can you give an example of what that might look like for an adult if they're going to approach a child And they maybe have an assumption that the child is coming from a place of anger versus sadness. Mm -hmm. What might that look like? You know, I think it can be tough to know how to respond or or work with or support a child who's angry. At the same time, it might in some ways be easier to assume a child is angry, especially a child we really care about, than to think about that they might actually be really sad or really scared. And so if we can sort of let go of evaluating exactly what's going on for them, we might be able to just meet them more fully right in that moment with whatever's happening. If we're assuming they're angry, our sort of anger response might be more quickly triggered. Um, And so if we can let some of that go and just say, I'm seeing this behavior happen right now, what can I do to help shift this into something that feels better for everyone without sort of putting our judgment or evaluation on why they're behaving in that way? And is that something internal that an adult would do, or would they actually verbalize that to a child? Like, I'm seeing that you're Mm -hmm. throwing your teddy bear around the room, and, Mm -hmm. you know, is there something else we can think of to do, or is that just an internal, like, oh, that's what I'm telling myself? Mm -hmm. I think it can be both. It can really be starting with, gosh, I'm realizing I'm kind of trying to figure out exactly what's happening in their little harder mind. I may not be able to do that very well. Uh, Let me take a step back from that. And then also saying out loud what you're seeing. So that's a technique that we use often here at the Dougie Center with the 
kids that we work with is we'll often say, wow, I see you are really jumping up and down on that trampoline, or you are just punching that punching bag. You're punching it over and over. Or you're screaming really loudly in my right ear. That's the one I do a lot in my groups. (laughs) Exactly. For a lot of kids, having an adult really witness what they are doing and even say it to them, we call it reflection, letting them know I am here with you. I am so present that I I see everything that's happening and I'm going to kind of offer it back to you so you have a sense of what's going on. Sometimes it gives kids a little bit of a sense of control so they can kind of see, oh, I am really punching this thing. Okay. They know that you're right there with them, walking alongside them, and it can help for you as the adult to really center yourself in this moment. So after we've noticed what's happening, we give voice to it. Like, what's next after that? So we can give some voice to it. We may even decide, you know, if this is your child or a child you're really close to, you might take some guesses if it seems helpful in that moment at what's happening. You may say something like, I see you making that face that I think I remember happens when you're pretty mad or you're pretty sad or whatever the case may be. And then you can say, let's think about what we can do so that you can stay safe and that maybe you can feel a little bit more calmer in your body. So you can kind of acknowledge what's happening in the moment and then help them start to transition to something that hopefully will feel better for everybody if it's something that doesn't feel safe or doesn't feel appropriate for that moment. If it's a big behavior that you feel like is okay for them to be engaging in, you can just kind of stay with them there in that moment. Um, But if it's something that's kind of concerning for some reason, the next step would be to help them transition to something else. Yeah, that's a great point of sometimes I think I can get caught up in how do I keep the behavior from being too big Mm -hmm. and forget that there are times and places where it's totally okay and appropriate Mm -hmm. for those big behaviors to happen and that oftentimes grieving kids need to be able to do something big with Mm -hmm. their bodies as long as it's not hurting themselves or hurting somebody else. Yeah. Especially if they spent all day in school where there's not a lot of space for big bodily movement and behaviors in that way. Yeah. I mean, so often uh, for kids who come to the Dougie Center, once they have a chance to get into what we call one of our big energy spaces where they can play air hockey or punch that punching bag or throw basketballs over and over, you really, there's a palpable sense of relief. Like, oh my God, I can move my body. I can work with this big energy. And a lot of adults, when they come through for the first time and they see our big energy spaces, a lot of them are like, I need that. Can I have that punching? Can I come in here and punch that punching bag? So for a lot of us, you know, trying to shut those things down isn't always helpful. So you mentioned in the moment you might notice what the child's doing and then you might say, hey, I'm wondering if we can choose another way of expressing this feeling or this energy that you're having. What are some ways or some options that you've seen that work pretty well for kids uh, in terms of trying to get to maybe a calmer place in their body or having to hold off on having that really big energy until it's a, a good time and space to do that? Yeah. So if you see something happening that for whatever reason isn't working for them or for you or for the other folks that you're with, it can be tough to try to come up with ideas in that moment. So we talk a lot about kind of our lids being flipped, which means, you know, if we're in a place where we're having big emotions, whatever those are, sometimes the kind of rational and empathetic parts of our brain can go offline a bit. And the flight, fight, freeze uh, centers of our brain are saying, do this thing, do this thing. So we want to figure out how as adults, instead of our lids getting flipped in response to the kids we're with, how do we self-regulate? And kids often kind of need to borrow 
that part of our brain because theirs aren't fully developed yet. We have to sort of figure out how do I, as an adult, remain as calm as possible so that I can approach this with as much thinking capacity, creativity, kindness, really, and compassion as possible. Sorry, adults, to add to your to-do list of things when you may be already pretty maxed out with your own grief and your feelings, but you're going to also have to maybe, as you were talking, it makes me think of you have to jumpstart somebody's battery sometimes. Mm -hmm. And for kids, if their logical part of their brain is just not online, sometimes as adults, we have to loan them some of ours. And hopefully, even though it does feel like, oh my God, here's another thing I have to figure out how to do, I'm completely maxed out. And now I have to figure out how to be calm myself and help calm my child. It can feel like so much. And in the long run, hopefully it will feel much better for you and for your child. So trying to do that work of figuring out other options for your kids in that moment when they're in the midst of those big emotions or big behaviors can be pretty tough. So what we often suggest to adults here at the Dougie Center is we'll say, you know, why don't you in a calm moment with your kids, you know, whether that's first thing in the morning while they're eating breakfast or if it's during dinner, come up with a list of things that they can do when they're feeling stressed or overwhelmed or frustrated. Um, And you actually write that list down together and you can put it up somewhere that's easy for everybody to see, like maybe put it up on the fridge. And you want to help them feel some sense of ownership. So whether that's them writing it down themselves or getting to draw or decorate that list. So you've got some ideas in place. Then in the midst of those hard or challenging times, you can go to that list. And there's a few ideas that folks have. There can be things like, you know, if you've got a punching bag or a place that kids can go to punch things in in your house. So if that's the couch cushions or their bed pillows, you know, whatever, something that they can go and punch those things if they need to. And hopefully that'll keep them from then punching their sibling. Um, Or you, or or kicking the dog. Exactly. Uh, That can be a helpful one for some kids. And I often hear this from teens, knowing that they can go to their room and put on music uh, if they need to put on headphones or whatever they need so that they can listen to it as loudly as they need to. And, you know, take that break and get to have some music, maybe dance it out, uh, do an angry dance for younger kids. Those things can be helpful. Um, Stomping your feet. Maybe even something as simple as like jumping jacks or jump rope Mm -hmm. or kicking the soccer ball, anything sort of physical. Yeah, running around in the backyard. Some kids, it can help to suggest deep breaths. Some kids really react to that. Some kids like the idea of pressing their pause button Mm. so they can breathe in for four counts through their nose and breathe out for eight counts through their mouth. And if you talk about it in that way of like, let's press our pause button for a moment. Can we get a pause button for life sometimes? That would be nice too. (laughs) I think that could be helpful for a lot of us. Having a quiet corner set up can be great. So you want to think about, you know, a lot of families use things like timeouts. That can be really tough. Some of these big behaviors can come from a place of fear and stress, again, sadness, anger, you know, wherever it's coming from, feeling that they're being isolated from the family and don't have the security of the adults that they need can be even more stressful. And even the act of trying to get your kid to get into timeout and stay in timeout, that can become a battle in itself. So instead of a timeout spot, having a spot that they want to go to that's near where you're going to be, you know. So if it's in the living room and they get to decorate it with their soft, cozy cushions they want, a blanket, their stuffies, you know, books, whatever helps make it 
feel like a nice calming place for them can be helpful. So it's less like a place they're being sent to right. and a place that they've they maybe helped create. That they get to go, like, mm-hmm. I'm taking a break from you, right. mom, dad, yes. grandma, whoever, yeah. rather than you're getting a break from me. Right, exactly. That can be really helpful. And again, so so you write those things down and you put them up. And then as an adult, you can model using some of those options um, so that they can see like this is a real thing and it can be helpful if you find yourself becoming frustrated saying out loud I feel frustrated I'm going to go look at our list all right I think I need a moment to go listen to some music so I'm going to listen to one quick song and then I'll come back and let's keep talking oh so as an adult you would use those suggestions too as well so you can show your kid that this is a way to help yourself kind of reset re-regulate and I'm thinking to make a portable list to bring in the car sure. or the bus or yeah. however your your commute might look. Because it seems like I've heard mm-hmm. from people that that's a, a pretty high stress time, especially mm-hmm. right after school. If kids mm-hmm. are hungry, they've had a long, hard day, you're in the car, you hit traffic, you're already mm-hmm. tired and stressed out. So having a portable list with some things that kids can do while they're sort of contained mm-hmm. in the car can be helpful. Yeah. You know, if you've got sort of your your go-to kit for after-school pickup, if that's the, the snacks, maybe a juice box, some water, and then your list of what can we do. And it may also be that you might want to talk with teachers about creating a list for kids when they're at school, kids or teens, if they're finding themselves becoming agitated, upset, having a list of things that they know they can go to and the teacher has approved of to help themselves calm down and kind of refocus. So on the opposite side of this, you know, we hear a lot about kids who are having these big behaviors, adults who are having big reactions Mm -hmm. to these big behaviors. How about those kids that don't seem to be having any reaction at all. Mm-hmm. And and we hear that from adults. And sometimes when they hear us talk about big behaviors, they can almost start to worry, oh my gosh, my kid's doing the complete opposite. They're really quiet and maybe withdrawn or just really just want to be alone in their room a lot. Now, is that something I need to be worried about? We sometimes think about that as its own version of a big behavior. It's kind of a big, quiet behavior. Uh, and usually we don't necessarily think it's something to be worried about unless you're seeing things like completely withdrawing from family, from peers, from activities they've loved in the past. Um, It's something to be paying attention to, but it may also just be how your child needs to grieve. And I wonder about finding some creative ways to maybe connect with those kids who are a little bit more internal Mm -hmm. and private. Mm -hmm. And maybe that's just some parallel ways of connecting. Like we listen to music together, even though Mm -hmm. we're not talking, or maybe we do some coloring together, Mm -hmm. but we're not talking. So it doesn't feel quite so engaging in that way, but you're sharing space together Mm -hmm. and kids know that you're there. Yeah. Just that shared physical space can mean so much. So as you said, you know, working on a craft project at the dining table together, not peppering them with a bunch of questions about how they're feeling, what are they doing, what are they thinking, um, but just being there with them. And sometimes that leads to them starting to share what's going on with them or conversations. Other times it's just a quiet time to be together. So Heather, as we get to the end of our time today, are there any last tips or things that come to mind in terms for adults and how to be there for grieving kids who are having some big behaviors? You know, just to circle back to what we had talked about earlier, especially if you are grieving yourself, trying to figure out how to show up for your child who is exhibiting these really big behaviors, having big feelings can be really tough. Adults will tell us just getting everybody dressed in the morning and out the door and fed more or less can feel almost impossible. So then trying to do these other things can be so tough. So just encouragements for adults to do what they 
can to take care of themselves. And that can mean when people say, just tell me what I can do to help. It's okay to say, can you watch my kids for two hours? Even if it's to go to the grocery store by yourself can make such a difference. Oh, going to the grocery store alone sometimes (laughs) is like the best self-care ever. (laughs) (laughs) So if you're able to put some of those self-care pieces in place, you're more likely to be able to do some of these other sharing of your regulation system. One thing that can be really helpful, although tough when you're feeling stressed in that moment, is to bring some lightness and humor to the situation. Sometimes that can really break the tension and shift it just enough that you can kind of move the kiddo away from the behavior that's not okay for you and move them toward what is. If they're throwing all the couch cushions on the floor, saying something like, oh my goodness, if all of our couch cushions are on the floor, that's going to be a really hard couch to sit on during our movie later. Sheesh. You know, just something instead of... uh, You can't do that. Put those mm -hmm. couch cushions back. Yeah, those reactions that can be really big, really frustrated and angry. Of course, you might be feeling that inside. But if you can bring a little bit of that fun to it, sometimes that can catch kids off guard or just bring a smile and a bit of connection. I know one of the ones that works really well for me is if I'm having a bad day and someone's like, oh, you are showing me your cranky face. Like, that's a really good one. I haven't seen that one in a while. And then we trade back cranky faces and that usually lightens it up for for me. But I imagine sometimes for kids that can feel maybe a little patronizing. Mm -hmm. So you have to tread cautiously Mm -hmm. into that humor and see how it's going to go. Yeah, that can it can be a really tricky one, both for you to be able to do that and also for how your kid will respond. Well, thank you so much, Heather, for sharing a lot of your wisdom and knowledge and suggestions. There's so many more things we could probably Mm -hmm. talk about with this. We look forward to having you back on the show again in the future. Yeah, thank you. And for those of you out there listening, um, we are at episode 61. So if you want to hear any of our past episodes, we have a couple other ones back in our uh, archives about dealing with big behaviors with kids as well and using some more mindfulness techniques. You might reference back to those. I'll list a couple of of them in our show notes. If you want to find those other episodes, you can find us in iTunes, Stitcher, any other podcast platform that you might use. And if you do happen to use iTunes, we'd love if you would give us a rating and a review because it really helps other people out there like you find our podcast. So thanks so much for listening and hope you'll join us again next time. Thanks for listening.